Amy, on this podcast, we try to always offer useful takeaways. And if you learn nothing else from us, learn this useful parenting lesson by Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 are the ultimate parent hack, the best diaper to use as soon as your baby starts standing or walking. Instead of ordinary diaper tabs, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your wild child. Pampers Cruisers 360 makes it so easy to change your baby. Who probably doesn't stop moving just because they need a diaper changed? Just slide on to apply and away they go. And fear not, parents. Pampers Cruisers 360 offers an up to 100% leak-free fit. And they just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we say more? For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupons, savings, and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. I need to get more done, and so I'm going to be gentler on myself. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Is sports and doing too many sports getting in the way of my number one priority, being a happy family? It's got to go. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. The first thing that must happen and then everything else that must happen. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. I'm just going to defend my triangle for a moment, though. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week, we're talking about time management for moms. Oh, time management. I need this one. (laughs) I hope you have a lot of good tips. We do have a guest later on in this episode, Jessica Turner, who's the author of the new book, Stretched Too Thin, is going to give us some some good tips. But we, we got this episode idea because a couple of weeks ago, we asked all of you to tell us what was the thing that's getting in the way most of your being your happiest mom self. And there was such a clear number one answer, and it was time management. One horse pulled away from the problem crowd, and it was exactly. time management exactly. and being stressed out. Colleen put it best. She said, I, I struggle most with time management. There are only so many hours in the day, and I want to do it all. I'm a part-time health coach working for myself, but I'm honestly not working a lot right now because I feel pulled in a 100 different directions as a parent. And Colleen, we can tell you that as moms who work for ourselves, we, we recognize this right. problem. Don't you think that like so many women I know are in this sort of middle ground? Um, there are different issues for women who work in an office 40 hours a week and a women, women who devote all of their time to raising their children. And then there's m- more and more of us, I think, who kind of have a part-time thing or they, right, they're, they're, they have a, the, a side hustle that it's hard to ever put first with all right. of the demands of, of momming. Yes. And don't you think it's harder? I think it's harder for, I'm just going to say it, it's harder time management for moms because of the invisible workload that sort of seeps in at the sides. I was I was working on this episode yesterday, sort of collecting my thoughts on it. And during that, I had to help my uh, 10-year-old with her American Girl uh, braiding technique. I had to help my uh, 15-year-old find his cleats. Like I, it, was, it was interrupted over and over again. By, Are you taking the controversial stance that time management is harder for moms than for dads? I'm, don't DM me, but don't yeah. Don't at you. <laughs> yes. 
Don't at me, but I think it might be a little harder for moms. Yeah, I, I'm down with that. Don't I, at I, me, bro. I, I second that emotion. I think that probably everybody listening is too. Okay, so, so we we know it's true. All right, I'll stop trying to convince you, everybody, because we're all we're, we're all we're agreeing. with you, Amy. We're with you. We're teammates. But it's okay. So I thought I'm I'm gonna dazzle you, Margaret. I think we're gonna flip our usual way of doing things today. I think we should start with time management hacks. Let's just get right into it. Like some it. tips. Right, right. We always get to the get to the tips. I think Let's we should lead with tips. Start with the tips. Should I go first? Yeah, please. I think my, one, of my, one of my favorite things to help me manage my time is a um it's a software I use and I have it on my phone and I also have it on my desktop and it's called Workflowy. And I'm going to put a link up on our show page at whatfreshhealthpodcast.com so you can try this uh you can try this software for free. It is just a to-do list and it allows you to nest your lists within lists and click them and drag them so you <laughs> so can't see them. perfect. Why didn't they just call this Amy? The software? Amy list. I mean, it can get overwhelming because I use it as a brain dump. I think the way to manage your time is to not, to like send thank you note. Like I, I open Workflowy, I throw it on my to-do list. I throw it at the top. And then when I have time, I go in and sort it and I pull out like, this weekend, I had a this weekend bullet point, and it was prepare this podcast, sign the permission slip, and you know get the application in. Those were the things I had to do this weekend, and I then you can click on that bullet so you only see those four things. You don't see the five hundred other things you need to do: birthday present, you need to buy whatever. You you can look at just what you need to get done today, tonight, in the next hour, however you want to sort it, and that keeps me honest. You know, I have five minutes. I'm in a doctor's office. I pull that up and I send one email I've been meaning to send rather than just go to social media. Yeah, you're I mean, we are the digital analog divide. I still have a book with my lists and that's how I function. Like I I find the idea of taking this stuff onto the computer very uh, unappealing. Well, the only problem with it, I used to do, um, you know, the offline bullet journals. And I, you know, and I do a little bit of that too. Sometimes I write down, here are the five things I have to do today. And just look at that, even written down. So I'm not tempted on my desktop to start clicking around to, uh, you know, nonsense. But um, you have to write it over again. I felt like when I was doing it offline, I was spending a lot of time rewriting my lists, reorganizing them, making them look pretty. Yeah, that's most of my day is rewriting to-do lists. Yeah. You can get caught in the rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic kind of thing, right? Oh, that's <laughs> all. That's my whole life is rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Like that, I feel like 90% of my time is spent sitting completely still and worrying about the things I have to do. Like there was an old Linda Berry cartoon. I'll try to find it, but it's like, it's like a dog that is so like agitated that it can only sit really still. And it's like, that is my, that's my Patronus. Like the dog who can only, I get so busy that I'm like, uh, I just sit here and play candy crush until the feeling happens. Right. Which, which gets you further from, (laughs) further from a shorter to-do list. And, and I, I agree. Can I give you another tip that works for me? Tip me, tip me. So I mean, far, I work flowy. I don't know if I'm feeling that. Uh, keep it, going, keep going. But, but there yeah, are but people, I'm sure that resonates for. You don't want to like, be, don't be the dog. The computer in this. Yeah, don't be the dog shaking in the corner wondering how you're going to get it all done. Or, or Because at least with this, I know what I have to do. What, what's the most important thing I have to do next? I kind of have always have that in my mind. Well, when it's I, also the old elephant thing, which is like how to eat an elephant one bite at a time. Like, it's like, right, you just... What's next is a better question than like, oh my God, what do I have to do? Yes. 
there's so much I have to do. Well, what do I have to do? What, what must be done today? Like I, I have an audition this afternoon and I have to work on my lines, but first I had to do this. So right. my lines come next. Um, I, I took a computer. I'm not as much of a computer dork as I'm making myself sound in here, but I took a computer science class in college that was really good because it taught me how to think. And we learned about this, this, the way that a computer thinks, which is the it's called the car and the cutter. And what that means is a computer is very binary, obviously, right? So when you're writing programming language for a computer, the car is the first thing on the list and the cutter, which is CDR, is the rest of the list. So when you're writing commands for a com- computer, it's like, if, if, this is, if this is here, do this, everything else can wait. And then once it's done that, what's the next thing on the list? Everything else can wait. And so a computer very clearly divides it into the first thing that must happen and then everything else that must happen. And so I do try to think when I'm managing my time in that sort of binary way, that things are either must happen today or don't have to happen today. And, and just, just divide them into that. And then you're not worrying about everything. You're only worrying about what's absolutely next. I mean, I agree. And I often formulate my to-do list. If I have very, very overwhelming days, I often formulate my to-do list as a time-stamped list. Like, okay, at nine o'clock, we're going to record. So I know that at eight o'clock, I need to start my prep for that, do all the stuff that I'm supposed to have done before we record at nine. Then let's say that's over at 10 o'clock. Then at 10 o'clock, I have between 10 and 11 to get ready for the class I'm teaching tonight. Okay. Then at 11 to 11.20, I can take a break. But then from 11.20 to lunch, I have to get the next thing done. Like I schedule my whole day and I put my to-do list on a timeline because it feels much less overwhelming to me to say like, look, you can get it all done because here's the amount of time you have in the day. I think that's really good advice. Sometimes I wonder about the, you know, the advisability of like locking it all down so much. Like, does this lead to, to more stress or less stress? But being very clear about what you need to do, I think, makes it seem less enormous. And you're right. Putting the time down makes you realize, OK, I have an hour to do these two or three things. That's that's enough time if I don't spend 48 minutes of it on Facebook. <laughs> and if I do spend 48 minutes on Facebook, I have 12 minutes left. Like it's. I said on a very recent episode, it's like packing takes the time you have. It can take 13 minutes. If you get a call, you got to go, or you can do it for three weeks. Like if you spend 48 minutes on Facebook, you have 12 minutes to write your class notes for the class you're taking tonight. Whatever the case is, you have to get it done during this hour. It just, it helps me feel less overwhelmed because the constant, what drives me crazy is the constant underneath monologue, which is like, yeah, too much to do. Not going to get it all done. Oh my God, I'm overwhelmed. And then, yes, somehow I do manage to spend two hours a day on Facebook or watching, you know, Bachelor in Paradise reruns, like whatever I'm doing. It's not that I don't have enough time in the day. And yet dulling down the internal engine that is like, you're late, you're late, you're late, not enough time. Three o'clock pickup is coming. You're not going to get it all done. That is such an important thing in my life because the anxiety is driving me crazy. My friend Laura Vanderkam is sort of the, you know, the guru of time tracking for moms. Her sort of first book and the one she's most well known for is 168 hours. You have more time than you think you do. And it's about, you know, you have 168 hours in a week and this sort of idea, I have so much to do. I have so much to do. She, she has you track your time and I could, I'll put the link up to this, um, 
time tracker on our show page for this episode also and see what you're doing in 15-minute increments. And I really resisted doing that because it feels like the last thing you have time to do when you're busy is take, and you have way more to do than you can possibly get done, is spend time you know, with tracking worksheets to sort of take it all apart. Like, yeah, don't have time to take on another task. But what happens when you do this is, of course, you realize, wow, I am spending two hours a day watching television or I am spending, like for me, I realize I spend my captive time at a soccer game or on the subway for me or, at, you know, waiting for my daughter's ballet class to be over, scrolling mindlessly on my phone. And so I got a Kindle for my birthday and now I don't let myself get the phone out. I get the Kindle out and I use it to get reading done. When you stop and really look at your, what you're doing, you realize, yeah, you're kind of you're kind of fooling yourself that you don't have enough time. You do. You just need to spend it more wisely. Yeah. And I think time management is one of those things. It's like a budget. Like you don't want to write it down because you don't want to realize that you are spending more money than you have. I mean, my husband and I have that problem all the time. It's like, well, we don't really want to look at the fact that we're putting out more money than we take in every month. So why make a budget? Like that's just going to depress us. Time management is a little bit the same. Like you, you kind of, you've got to fight. We talk a lot about like, what's the story you tell yourself. And I often tell myself the story. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. And it becomes kind of my touchstone of like, I have to lay in bed at seven o'clock and scroll Twitter for three hours because I'm just, I need my downtime. Like, watch the story of I'm too busy. Like, and, and this is something that I think that people who are not managing a household with small children, it's hard for them to relate to. Like my husband is busy at his job. His job for nine hours a day is an email comes in, he deals with it. It's a single subject stream of information that he is like, he's navigating one stream moms often you're navigating like nine different streams. It's the doctor's office and the school play rehearsals and which library books go back on which day. And our school just went to what they call an ABCDEF schedule so that you're not on Monday through Friday, you're on A through F so that snow days don't mess up all the activities. It actually makes sense. But like, is it D-Day? If it's D-Day, someone needs a trumpet. If it's F-Day, someone needs a library book. Like this kind of management is very high level thinking. And it kind of seems like a oh, little housewife getting stuff done. It doesn't seem that important, but it is extremely challenging and it's okay to acknowledge how challenging it is. Well, we're all multitasking, um, right. right? Instead of single tasking and, and multitasking, as I'm sure I don't have to tell you, like all the studies prove that you're not as being as productive as you think you are when you're trying to do more than one thing at a time. I got a study for you. Study uh, I know me. you read the Journal of Experimental Psychology, Human Perception and Performance. Are you kidding? I have a tattoo. I love that. <laughs> they did a study on multitasking, which found that whenever participants switched between tasks, there were significant time costs, which grew when the tasks became more complex. And the way they put it is, you have a set of rules. There's a set of rules that apply when you're preparing for a podcast episode, and there's a set of rules that apply when you're talking to your kid's pediatrician. And you have to switch rules, and so your brain is almost switching gears, switching speeds, I guess. And the, um, the work that's involved in doing that is it takes just a little bit of time. But when you're switching back, forth, back, forth, back, forth, that amount of time adds up. It, it creates large amounts that inhibit your overall efficiency. 
This is a really interesting point that I think makes a lot of sense. And I see it all the time. Again, using my husband as an example, he works at home. He has a downstairs office. So I, I usually, he's downstairs. I don't usually bother him. Every once in a while something will come up and I knock on his door and occasionally I'm like, Hey, do you know, you know, what time CCD is over today when I have to go pick them up or whatever I ask him. And there's a mode sometimes where he looks up and I'm like, Oh, you're in the tunnel. Like, and we always say like, Oh, and he cannot think what time CCD ends because he's busy on a coding. He's an engineer. So he's like deep down some coding tunnel. And you can physically see that thing of like, he is in the zone on his thing. And it's very hard to get into that zone when you're like five minutes on doctor's appointments and five minutes on middle school play schedule, then half an hour on the podcast, then five minutes on my doctor's appointments. Like you, it's hard to get into that zone that he works in, which is frustrating. That's a, right. It's a zone of deep concentration. And so then when you're a mom, it kind of gets put last and we shouldn't be so proud of ourselves for that. But yeah, that stuff gets, does get put aside. That's why my system of working on stuff for an hour at a time, I think is really helpful. I have a, a box that I put stuff in like all the all the mail that comes into the house I throw away the junk mail as soon as as soon as it comes in it's right in the recycling but the stuff that I need to do the bills the permission slips you know whatever I put it all in a box and I do it once a week and I spend maybe two hours on that box once a week and then it has to wait until next Wednesday and uh that really helps me too to not let that stuff sort of nibble away at the edges of my concentration all the time my new system which I will put a picture of on the website is I have a file folder with four compartments and it hangs right where we open the backpacks. And first thing that happens at the end of the day, we open the backpacks and youngest child's homework goes in her file folder. Middle child's goes the next one, oldest in the next one. And the top is forms for me to fill out. And it's like, it's there. It's just, you've got to put systems in place that solve your problems. Because yeah, they, they take away the panic, right? There's a, there's a, if there's a workflow in place, then you don't have to stop and think about what comes next. And therefore there's a little more relaxation around it. All right. Well, let's hear from Jessica Turner and see if she can help us with some of this stuff. And then we'll come back. You've tried Tybo. You've tried insanity. You've Zumbud. But now there's a new workout craze sweeping the nation that's just for moms. Morning madness. No time for exercise? Don't worry. You'll only have 27 minutes until the bus comes to get it all done. You'll feel those triceps burn as you start the move we call pull your tween from bed. Just five more minutes. Up. No. Work those quads as you dash down the stairs to make breakfast. Pancakes are ready! Then back upstairs to help your 13-year-old who still can't manage to find matching socks. I can't find any. Then back upstairs to... No, wait a minute. Then back downstairs because you forgot why you went upstairs in the first place. Feel that stretch in your back as you perform a series of dynamic bends and twists in an attempt to locate suitable lunch and snack items for all three children. I don't like weights anymore. And stay to the end for that blast of cardio we call oh the bus is pulling away come on we gotta run for it add resistance by carrying three backpacks a trumpet a science project and a lacrosse stick as you attempt to cover three blocks in less than a minute wait bus wait morning madness could it be 
be the workout you've been looking for? Morning Madness has not proven effective as a weight loss technique in 99% of participants. Morning Madness should not be used by non-mothers who are contemplating child-rearing at any point in the future. Morning Madness has led to the sudden onset of shrieking, regretting of all life choices, and suggesting homeschool to one's spouse. Consult a mom friend with cocktails if symptoms persist. Margaret, exciting news. I am about to have a new baby nephew, and believe it or not, this will be my 13th nephew. Amy, you're ready to give up your amateur status. You're a pro (laughs) aunt at this point. Our family has seen a lot of babies, and as soon as they start standing or walking, I send them all a whole lot of Pampers Cruisers 360. Pampers Cruisers 360 don't have ordinary diaper tabs. Instead, they have a unique 360-degree stretchy waistband that moves with your newly mobile little one. Pampers Cruisers 360 offer a gap-free fit that is up to 100% leak-proof, crucial once your baby is quite literally up and at them. And that gap-free fit helps prevent your baby from taking off their diaper, a habit you do not want them to get into. You can say that again. And Pampers Cruisers 360 just got even better with a new blowout barrier. Need we even elaborate on the need for that, friends? For Trusted Protection Trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, When you've got kids, as just about everybody listening to this right now does, you're probably looking at what they eat and seriously wondering how they could possibly be getting all of the vitamins and minerals they need to grow big and strong. That's why Haya was created, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered, chewable vitamin for kids. Haya fills the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full-body nourishment our kids need. And yes, Even your picky eaters will approve. I know mine does. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables. Then it's supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals to help support our kids' growing brains and bodies. And Haya vitamins are sent straight to your door, which means you set it and forget it and give yourself one less thing to worry about. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash fresh. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H, HayaHealth.com slash fresh to get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Today, I am so happy to be talking to Jessica Turner. She's the author of the new book, Stretched Too Thin, How Working Moms Can Lose the Guilt, Work Smarter, and Thrive. Jessica is also the author of the book, The Fringe Hours, and she's the founder of the blog, The Mom Creative. She's an award-winning marketing professional and speaker and a mom of three, and she and her husband, Matthew, are raising their family in Nashville, Tennessee. Thanks for talking to us, Jessica. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. You seem uniquely qualified to tell us uh, how working moms can work smarter and thrive since you wear so many hats and manage to get it all done. (laughs) Well, I don't get it all done, but I do all right. (laughs) That's actually one really good takeaway I got from your book. You talk about need to do versus 
nice to do. And I thought that was a really good sort of touchstone. Can you say a little bit about that? I think it's important to look at everything in life of what are the things that I absolutely have to get done and what are the things that would be really nice if I get done. So for instance, it's really nice if I get the dishes loaded into the dishwasher every night after dinner, but it isn't an absolute must happen. Like if it doesn't happen one night, nothing major will come of that. That's just fine. But we put this unnecessary pressure on ourselves to do all of the things and we must get it all done when in fact, a lot of those things are nice to do's, not need to do's. You have another metaphor that I really like that was about the rubber balls and the glass balls, another way to sort of keep in your head what's important and what when what isn't. This is one of my favorite metaphors and I can't claim it. So for Stretch Too Thin, I surveyed 2,000 working moms from across the country because I didn't just want it to be my story of working motherhood, but really something that everyone could relate to. Entrepreneurs, stay at home, work at home, work at an office like I do, all the things. And so in the open-ended responses, one of the women said, you know, I really look at life as that I'm juggling a lot of balls, but they're two different kinds of balls. There's the rubber balls and the glass balls. And the glass balls are the things that if I drop them, they will break. And when we look at life that way, we think about, okay, what are the things that are most important and treat those as glass? I think it can be a really healthy reframing. And, you know, some things I think we sometimes treat as glass and they're rubber. You know, we think of work perhaps as being a glass ball when, in fact, that's actually a rubber ball. Like nobody is going to die if that email doesn't get sent or that social media post doesn't happen, you know, but we treat it like it's a glass and that this is the most important thing. And then conversely, we sometimes treat ourselves like we're rubber balls when we are glass balls. And if we aren't taking care of our bodies and our health and making time to practice self-care, we can get really sick and we can crack and that is a much bigger issue. You you talk a lot about self-care in the book and how that's often the first thing to go. Definitely for me it is. When I was working on my own book, I was like, okay, I'm not going to work out for a year. That's the first. And and you know what? For me it worked because it gave me the, that extra couple of hours in my week to get up early and work on the book. But making time for self-care, you think, helps us work smarter. It isn't just about you deserve it. Absolutely. It's really that oxygen mask philosophy, right? That you have to take care of yourself before you can take care of everything and everyone else. Well, I know that if I am not taking care of myself, eventually I'm going to get burned out and everything else is going to suffer. And so, for instance, um, we're recording this before the book comes out and I spent the night before the book released. And instead of doing all the things like sending one more email, doing one more Instagram post, I took a really long bath and I read a really great fiction book and I just breathed a little bit because I knew that I was going to be more productive, happier and healthier if I made that decision. And so that's something that I've learned time and time again, that sacrificing my own health and well-being is never to the benefit of anyone else. That's really interesting because I feel like I spend most of my time being as busy as possible, as productive as possible. If I'm in a taxi to go somewhere, what what can I check off my to-do list while I'm sitting in the back of this taxi? Like just, just sitting and breathing is something I would never entitle myself to do. I just read that Anderson Cooper rides around New York City in taxis and he uses taxi rides too. You would think like write tonight's show, uh, you know, call the prime minister of, you know, what I like do something. He just looks out the window. He uses it as the, as his time to meditate and breathe deeply and do one thing at a time. Like 
aren't you way too busy for that, Anderson Cooper? But apparently it's necessary because you're busy. It's not the first thing to go because you're busy. Absolutely. And you think about Central Park in New York City. I just heard this in um, a recent sermon that I listened to that, you know, there's this huge space in the middle of New York and it's the most valuable real estate, right? But if you think about it, the reason why that was created was so that New Yorkers would have a place to go and that there would be space in the middle of the hustle and bustle of the city. And the same is true for our lives, that we need to have space because there is so much other things going on that we've got to create that space. I love that idea. You're right. Like it's so it's so improbable that there's this huge park right in the middle that the, the most important space was saved for a park. Yes, exactly. That's right. The, that's mm-hmm. the point. Isn't that great? Can you t- what is your definition of of thriving? What is that? What does that mean to you? To me, it means that you're satisfied in all the different areas that you're investing your time in. So if you're thriving, you feel like the mom thing is going really well, the work thing's going really well, you're investing in your marriage, you're taking care of yourself, that you're thriving in all of the different areas that require your time, energy, and responsibility, that you're, that you're satisfied. And, you know, what's interesting to me about your book is although you allow time for self-care and like the the bubble bath and the good novel are important, that doesn't mean that you don't engage with um, managing your time, looking at the pie and, and making sure you're spending your time on the right things, that that doesn't mean that doing that isn't worthwhile. Oh, gosh, it absolutely is. And, you know, there certainly have been times where that bubble bath didn't happen, right? It's a balance, right? It's all of those things. But I think when you have your priorities in check and you know what needs to get done in a day and what would be great, like it would be great if the laundry baskets got put away in my room. But is that going to happen in the next couple of days while I'm doing this really life-giving work and kids are requiring extra responsibility? No, but will it get done eventually? Absolutely. Do you think that women who, for whom, work is sort of just a job. I mean, right, there's a lot of us who are working to pay the bills and there's a lot of us who love what we do and hopefully it's both and sometimes it's not. Do you think that the the feeling stretched too thin and the pressure is worse for those of us who are just sort of punching the clock and, and getting the health insurance as opposed to those of us who are really sort of fulfilled by our careers or is that not necessarily a factor? In my experience of speaking with women from across the country, I don't think it's a factor. I think that it is just the volume of things that we're putting into our days that's causing us to be stretched too thin. Now, certainly, if we're thinking about satisfaction in those different areas, if you are working to pay the bills and it isn't a job that's fulfilling, you're going to have less satisfaction. And so that would certainly be a conversation worth having of, is there something else that I could do that would be financially beneficial for our family that maybe would bring me a little more joy? But ultimately, I think this problem of feeling stretched too thin is pretty universal. Was there something that surprised you as you talked to women across the country? I I assume you, you kind of thought that you would learn one thing. Did you end up learning something else along the way from all the women that you talked to? Yeah, so I anticipated that the pain points that I laid out that I had women kind of rank as being struggles for them, things like boundaries at work and investing in their marriage and self-care and parenting and guilt and all of those things. I felt like all of those would be true. The one that surprised me was that most women didn't cite that creating boundaries with their work was a challenge for them. And I don't know that I believe the data because anecdotally, when I speak with women, they are feeling pressure to look at their email at night, to respond to something after work hours. They feel tethered to their work because their email is on their phone um, for women who have those types of jobs. And so to me, it, it made me think 
do we not have a clear understanding of what boundaries are with our work? Is work so pervasive in life that we don't even realize that the boundary is necessary? I don't know. That was the one stat that I thought, gosh, I really expected this to be higher than what came out from the survey data. That's interesting because I think, yeah, what our definition of work is for me to toss off a quick work email in the back of a taxi or sitting in the waiting room at my kid's doctor's appointment, that is that is work. Just because I'm not in a boardroom at a meeting doesn't mean I'm not engaged engaged in, in work things. And, and I think as those boundaries get more and more fuzzy, it's we might be crossing over the line without even realizing we're doing it. Absolutely. I never come into work on a Monday morning with a very full inbox. I'm looking at email throughout the weekend. I wouldn't necessarily yeah. say that I'm working, but in fact, I am. Like that boundary has been broken and I'm not just focusing on home or kids or whatever it is. You talk in the book about understanding your why as a re- as a way to sort of set your priorities. Can you say a little bit more about, about that and how to go about doing that? Yeah. When you think about why you're working, I think it is important to know that. And for some of us, it is health insurance. I mean, I I say very plainly that part of the reason why I have a nine to five is because I'm the one who carries the healthcare benefits for my family. And that is very important. But it's also important to me to be fulfilled in doing work that I think I'm good at and that I really enjoy doing. And I work in the healthcare space. So it's also really inspiring to be helping people get well. And so that is something that's important to me working in a space like that. And so I think understanding your why for working, regardless of what it is, if it is kind of seems inspiring and or if it's just logistics of paying the bills, that's important to know so that then you know how much headspace you need to be dedicating to it, why it's taking so much time in your day, how you can explain it to your kids because our work impacts our kids and having those kinds of conversations. All of those things are important. And is it a way towards lessening the guilt, which we all, I think we all agree is something we want to not have be such a factor? Yeah, I certainly think that it can help with that if the kids can understand why you're working. I find that with a lot of women, their kids are the ones that make them feel guilty. They'll say, why do you have to work? Or I don't want you to miss that or that sort of thing. And so if you know very clearly why it is that you work, you can more easily articulate that to your children. And I think kids seeing our work, right, is a great is a great way for them to feel less threatened by it and to understand us more as whole people, which is good. They should. And for them to understand that work is a part of life. I mean, 70% of American moms with kids under the age of 18 have a job who work in some capacity. So this is the vast majority of us. And so it's really good for kids to see parents working and understand what comes with it and that it isn't always parades and, you know, fun. Like it is actually work. And so I think for them to see that is really good. So we're doing the right thing by working, of course, to support our families, but also for them to to model for our children how to be grown-ups, how to balance our time, how to how to do work, do things that matter. And these are all sort of good modeling for our kids and we need to lose the guilt about not being at the back door with an apron on at 3.15 because not too many of us are able to do that these days. That's absolutely true. (laughs) Absolutely true. And you know what? Uh, It's been really interesting to me as my kids have gotten older. They're 10, 7, and 3. And the older two in particular, it's been neat to see them kind of understand the work that I do. I've brought them along for different things. They can 
appreciate it. it. There has been some research done. Harvard did a study and found that boys who are raised by working mothers end up being more helpful in the home, more engaged with their children. Women, girls who grow up to be women in the workforce, they oftentimes will have higher salaries and are more engaged in the work that they do. So it is absolutely impacting our kids in a positive way all the way into adulthood, not just as little ones. That's really good to hear. Guys, this book is is great. It's it's really chock full of good information on all the pieces of the pie. Jessica, you talk about not just the workplace, but your relationship, your marriage, your your kids, your mom friends, self-care, that all of these things are worthy of a little bit of our attention and goal setting and restructuring. And and I really liked how all those things got got equal attention. Oh, thank you for that. It was really important for me to have a well-rounded book. I say that every chapter could be its own book, and there are books out there on all of those things. But this was really intended to be a guidebook for working moms to understand that they're not alone, that these are feelings we all have, and to hopefully give them some good practical takeaways to make some pivots in their life so that they can feel like they're not just surviving, but really thriving. We love concrete takeaways on this show, and this book is full of them. It's called Stretch Too Thin, How Working Moms Can Lose the Guilt, Work Smarter, and Thrive. Jessica, tell us where we can find the book and where we can find you. You can find the book wherever books are sold. It's at Target. It's in airports across the country, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, of course, Amazon.com. For all the details, you can visit stretchedtothinbook.com, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Jessica N. Turner. That's N for Nicole, Jessica N. Turner, and on Facebook at facebook.com slash themomcreative. Thanks, Jessica. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. 
So I really liked what Jessica had to say about the glass balls versus the rubber balls that resonated with me. Yeah, makes sense. Um, I, I think I kind of hold all things too tightly. Well, we talk about this a lot on the podcast as the triangle, like what's at the top and what's at the bottom. Yes. Do you but, but know your priorities. Go back with me, though. What's important is at the top, top of the triangle. triangle. It's but narrow. it's also right. But it's also the smallest space. Yes, because it's like these are your absolute priorities. It's small things. It's like being a happy family is the top of my triangle. Down at the bottom of my triangle is like kids should play sports. I should see my friends more often. Like it it keeps going down. And like the more there's much there's a ton of stuff at the very, very bottom. But anything that gets in the way of like is is sports and doing too many sports getting in the way of my number one priority being a happy family? It's got to go. See, I have a hard time with the triangle because I'm like, but it's all there. It's all there at the bottom. And there's only a little bit of room at the tippity top for what I need. I need a different shape. Hmm. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Mine's well, well, a triangle. Well, uh, I, I've worked on this with uh, Paige Nolan, who has great workshops for women. She had us do, you know, like a pie. And it was friends, family, career, um, you know, self-care, those kinds of things. And sort of drawing in each one where what was going well and what wasn't going well. And then looking at the, looking at the circle as a whole. And, you know, ideally, you don't want one piece of the pie to be empty and one piece to be full. You want to kind of, you want it ideally to be a circle that, that isn't too bumpy. I'm and, just going to defend my triangle for a moment though. Okay, go ahead. You have to prioritize at a certain point. It's not like the pie is sort of like, well, sometimes there's more of this, sometimes there's more of that. Like I think when you prioritize, and I think Jessica Turner was talking about this, like must do's versus can let goes. Like To me, it's important to have a structure that says certain things are genuinely important because there's always enough to fill the pie in a million different directions. You have to know your own priorities. What are your must accomplish? What are the things of like, you're right, like if you don't keep up on the daily news every day, nothing gets lost. Like what are your priorities? What's at the top for you? And what can get pushed down into the space of like, well, listen, there's plenty of time for this stuff. Like to me- Stuff has to knock other stuff off the list. It can't right. be a pie. It can't be a circle. But at the same time, Jessica, when I asked her about what does thriving mean, she said, well, to me, thriving is being satisfied in all areas of your life. So she she at least argues that that's possible. I guess I've always been of the opinion like, yeah, that's not really possible. You don't get to have, you you don't get to be equally satisfied in all areas, but you can look at Here's what I discovered when I did that circle exercise. I discovered I was having the same problem in a lot of different areas of my life, which I was holding on to the probably should do because this is how it's gone before. I was, you know, volunteering for a couple of organizations where my time there had really run its course, but it was guilt. I was, you know, beating the dead horse of a creative project that was never going to come to fruition. I needed to let old stuff go to let the new thing in. And I actually saw that that was true in in several areas of my life. So taking the big picture on it, whether it's a triangle or a circle or whatever, you know, whatever thing you want to use, I guess I'm saying the... Whatever circular triangle you might want to use for this. As long as it has a point, it's fine. It's worth undergoing this and saying, what is important to me and what am I spending my time doing? And look at the gap, right? Look at the, 
look at the gap between what matters to you and what you're spending your time doing because that gap is what needs to be addressed. Yeah, for sure. For me, it helps me to structure my thinking to be like, what's important to me? Is that what I'm spending my time on? And I think it's probably the same question. It's just how I manage to think about it for myself. I guess we're kind of landing on the same sort of big idea which I did get from reading Jessica's book and from going back and looking at some of Laura Vanderkam's work, that that it's not about getting more done. It's about getting the important things done and letting other things slide with complete calm about that. Being- right. And I think it's it really is. I mean, sometimes it's like people are like, it's about changing your outlook. And I'm like, yeah, I, I'm sorry. Changing my outlook does not help me get the Boy Scout forms in end time, you know? But my outlook that tells me all day, every day in a way that is anxiety and stress producing, like none of time, too much to do. Oh my God, you'll never get it all done. I have to address that voice because that voice is really not true. And as I look around, we talk a lot about stories that you feed your own story. And so you take stuff on and you're like, yeah, I'll volunteer for that. Sure. Put me on the list. I can be the room mom. I can, I can chaperone the field trip. Like if you are making yourself crazy with your busyness, there is actually a way to be less busy. And that involves figuring out rubber balls from glass balls, figuring out what you prioritize. And it is really worth undertaking that work because I do think that the epidemic that is really making all of us much less unhappy is constant anxiety. And it comes from, I need to get more done And the way to get more done is to be harder on myself, right? As opposed to, I need to get more done, and so I'm going to be gentler on myself. And we're going to have pizza for dinner twice this week. You you need to let stuff go in order to have more time for the stuff that matters in your life. And for me, it's all about putting um, blinders on, like figurative and, and and literal. Like when I really need to get stuff done, we live near a university and I join the library. So when I really need to get stuff done, I might get up pretty early on a weekend morning and go to the library because uh, it's open. The good thing about university libraries is they're open weekends, they're open early, they're open late, they're open all the time. Because uh, I got to get out of my house. If I really need to finish something that requires my deep concentration, I get out of my house. I turn off, I use software called self-control that won't let me check social media. I put on headphones and I get it done. And I then can go home and relax for the rest of my day. So that's something that works for me is is putting a, a really hardcore early morning session in and then and then relax into my Sunday evening and play block us with my kids. And that's Um, a really good point that I have found often as a working parent is making distinctions between work time and home time and really trying to keep that clear because otherwise, and my husband works from home and he has this problem as well, which is work never ends and it just bleeds in. And then you're trying to do, this is the example I always used to say when I had little kids if I tried to work all day, if I was trying to write something and I would try to write all day when the kids were there and they were just like, mom, mom. And I'm like, later I'm working, I'm doing this other thing. It all day was conflict. If I could force myself to stop working and really play with the kids for 45 minutes, I could come back. It bought me actual time. Like when you make that distinction of like, 
now is your time. Now is time for this. It's, you're not literally trying to multitask where it's like, okay, guys, I'm just trying to edit this episode of the podcast. So you play quietly, like, but you're kind of half in my space and half not. And I'm kind of going to be on my phone at your baseball game because the more you can delineate, this is time for X and this is time is for Y, it makes a big difference. So just last night, this makes me think uh, my, my uh, eighth grader is applying to high school and he has to write a bunch of essays. It's kind of like applying to college anywhere else. In New York City, you apply to high school and it's, it's a whole thing, tours, interviews, and essays. So he has to work on these essays. He works kind of slowly, more slowly than I do. He resists, he's a very creative thinker and resists a lot of shackles around it. But I, here I was in, in his room with him last night and he had to come up with like, what's an, some question that, that no 13 year old can easily answer. What's like, what's an experience that profoundly changed your life and what did you learn from it? And he was like, uh, and I said, well, let's come up with a couple. We'll pick, we can pick one to write about. Uh, okay. We're just sitting there in silence for a minute two minutes. And what did I find myself doing? Let me just check my email in the silence. Let me just quickly do this in the silence. And I noticed that when I started doing that, even he would start to be like, oh, what time is, I forgot the jets are on. What time are they coming? He, he, his his um, single tasking was affected by my trying to multitask, even in the same room with him. Right. So I had to stop doing it and just be like, okay, like notice it. I'm noticing my itchy, I have so much to do today feeling. And I'm just going to sit with him in the silence. And he was single tasking really well. He wasn't uncomfortable just sitting in silence and thinking and thinking. I was really uncomfortable with it. And anyway, he came to a good answer. But I realized like, wow, I really do have a hard time with with doing one thing instead of three. I really have a hard time with that. Figure out a system that works for you in terms of addressing the stuff that you have to do. Realize that certain things are going to fall through the cracks and then let go of the story of I am so busy, I can't function. The systems are in support of helping you do what matters, not helping you do more. Absolutely. And what is your busy set point? Yours is higher than mine. You know, your personal busy set point is probably too high for me. I like my busy set point to be a little lower than that. So we do this year, we're not doing any sports. We decided I'm like, we're off sports. I, I don't like running around to sports games on the weekends. And so, you know, it's fine. Like what I have decided that that was too busy for me. Laura Vanderkam says that the secret to all of this is about being more gentle with yourself rather than more demanding. So it seems to me that you're being more gentle with yourself in that way and your kids, like your kids are probably aren't so sad about getting a little more time in their pajamas on a Saturday because they're yeah, not and my and kids are nine, eight, and five. They're not going to be play professional sports. They can have a great life in sports without playing this semester of soccer. So did we solve it? I think we solved this one. I think we did. I mean, we it's an ongoing, not totally solvable problem, but we have some ways that we're going to work on it going forward. Circle or triangle or it's a triangle, rubber guys. plates. Don't listen to Amy. It's a triangle. L- work on that circle, everybody. How uh, dare you? This podcast <laughs> is canceled, you guys. <laughs> I'm going to have a lot of free time when I don't have to do this podcast anymore. I'm going to put- Amy doesn't respect my triangle. I, uh, I want to see it. <sighs> I'll Can draw you, draw you a diagram. I yeah, will. Draw, draw it for us, and I'm going to put it up on our Instagram, which is what Fresh Hell Cast, and and then maybe I'll maybe I'll put my circle. It might be too personal. I want to thank Jessica Turner for being such a great 
guest today. Her book is called Stretched Too Thin, How Working Moms Can Lose the Guilt, Work Smarter, and Thrive. Read it. Check it out. It's great. We'll put a link to the book on our show page at whatfreshhealthpodcast.com, as well as links to some of the other uh, research and tips that we discussed today. And you can always come and join the conversation on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash whatfreshhealthcast. Or on Twitter at WFH Podcast. Guys, come find us and uh, continue the conversation. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Bye. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.